Hey guys, my name is Ryan. We're starting a new series called Cross the Line tonight. In, uh, in our human existence, um, we have this uh, propensity, we have this, this thing in common that we all do, and it's that we often draw lines between ourselves and other people. And it's really kind of happened throughout history um, as long as humans have existed, but it's happened especially um, in recent History. A few hundred years ago, um, people began to bring um, people of a different race, people from Africa over, and they said because of the color of their skin that they were different. And that these people were property, whereas these people were like loved by God. And so these people could be traded and treated as property and bought and sold, but then but then the white people they could own. They could own other people and treat them as things. And why did they do this? They did this simply because they drew a line between white and black. And even once once slavery had been um, annihilated, we kind of kept with it. And specifically in our nation, we had something called segregation that lasted until about 50 years ago. And this is what segregation was. Segregation meant that people had to be separated based on their race. Yes, they could be people. They weren't property anymore, but they had separate bathrooms. They had separate water fountains. They had separate places to sit on the bus. They had separate schools. They had separate colleges. They did not associate together. And we drew a line between white people and between really all minorities. My grandfather was an American Indian and he drank from Indian water fountains growing up in North Carolina because he was considered less than the white people. And it was this line that was drawn between races. And it was, it's not just a racial thing. We, we've done it throughout our history with gender. About 100 years ago, women were not allowed to vote in our nation. Why were they not, not allowed to vote? Because men came up with this idea that there was a separation, that men should be separated from women. And so the women could not vote because, well, they had better things to do. They should be in the home. They should, they should be with the children. And the men were allowed to own property. The men were allowed to, 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 do, uh, to uh, work in the workplace and to, to vote and to make the decisions. And so the women were separated in that way. And it wasn't until 100 years ago that women were given the ability in our nation to vote. And we see this in recent history. In recent history, like less than two years ago, in 2016, we had a presidential election in our nation, and people drew a line between people that voted for Trump and people that voted for Hillary Clinton. And, and this line was drawn not because of skin color, not because of uh, uh, a culture, not because of really anything except for politics. The line was drawn between Trump supporters and Hillary Clinton supporters. The line was drawn between Democrats and Republicans. The line was drawn between people who thought this way and people who thought this way. And we saw, even though you guys don't vote, we saw what happens to our nation. We became divided. We drew a line based on nothing more than what we think about what the government should do. And we separated based on that. And then um, we see all the time people marching for gay rights. And every time someone marches for gay rights, what happens? People march against gay rights. And they go and wave, fla- uh, they go and wave flags and they wave signs and they say uh, things against each other. And what do they do? They are, they are drawing a line between people who are gay and people who are straight. And they are separating based on that. Not just separating, they are opposing each other because of different sexual orientations. And so once again, they divide themselves. And then um, about 16, 17 years ago, um, we had two planes 
go into the Twin Towers in New York City and knock them down and kill thousands of people in the worst terrorist attack in our nation's history. And why did this happen? This happened because some extremists drew a line between themselves and America. They drew the line between the West and the Middle East. They drew a line between Muslims and Christians or people of other faiths. And they're not the only ones in the wrong because guess what we have done in reaction to these and other terrorist attacks? The world, many of of people in the world, not just in America, but all over the world, have drawn a line between themselves and Muslims. And they have said because of what some people did, what, what some people did, we will turn ourselves against all of those people. We will draw a line that should not be crossed. And, and, and it seems like we have like a school shooting every other week. And this isn't the case in every circumstance, but in many of the school shootings, the, the, the reasons behind whoever goes and shoots their classmates, many times is because there were lines drawn in their school. Lines between the popular and the unpopular between the bullied and the bullies, between the people who dressed a certain way and the people who dressed a different way, between the the have-nots and the haves. And because of this, they, they reacted in the worst way possible, and they went and they hurt other people because a line was drawn. It doesn't just happen all of a sudden. A line was drawn that separated them and made them feel different, made them feel less than. We live in a world that is based um, that, ha- that is divided based on almost everything. It's divided based on race, religion, politics, your gender, your age, how much money you make, what neighborhoods you live in. Do you live at the beach? Do you live across the ditch? Like we, we make up all these separations. We, we, base, uh, we divide based on sexual orientation, on nationality, on culture, on whether someone is a citizen or an immigrant, uh, on, on, on clothes. I mean, like, like some of these other things were like, oh yeah, like those are big things, but we do it based on clothes. We look at the way people dress and we judge them based on the way they're dressed. We assume they are a certain way. And in that we draw a line between people dressed one way and another way. We, we, even, we even divide based on body type. We'll divide based on short, tall, skinny, fat, and we'll say we are separate. We will draw these lines between us and other people. Here, here's, here's kind of the bottom line. There are lines everywhere that we are taught not to cross. That we, we are told, you should not cross this line. And, and the thing is, we're not born thinking that way. Little babies aren't born in the hospital coming out screaming and looking at their skin tone and saying, well, this is who I'm gonna hang out with the rest of my life. I, I'm, I'm Chinese, so I can only hang out with Chinese people. I'm black, so I can only hang out with black people. I'm white, so I can only hang out with white people. I'm Hispanic, so I can only hang out with Hispanic people. Babies don't think that way. Babies, babies, I have a little baby, she's a year and a half old, and we take her to this little indoor playground, and at this little indoor playground, there are all kinds of babies, and their babies and their mommies are speaking to them in Spanish, and their babies, mommies, and their mommies are speaking to them in some language I don't even know, like some, like Russian language or something like that, and they are different colors, and they have different backgrounds, and all that kind of stuff, but I've never seen my daughter walk up to somebody and be like, hey, I'm not allowed to play with you, because we look different. See, we're not born thinking that way. What causes us to think that way? Our parents, our parents' parents, TV, social media, music, magazines, books, our experiences, what we've seen, what we've heard. And so we start to draw lines between us and other people. 
And whenever we draw lines, we use words like us and them. There's us over here and there's them over there. Or my people and those people. We, they. And when we use words like this, whether we realize it or not, we have begun to draw lines. We have begun to separate ourselves from other people. And it comes from a lot of different places. It comes from comparison. We look at other people and we start comparing ourselves. And we know how we do that. We don't compare ourselves and be like, like, like we compare ourselves with the agenda of making ourselves feel better. Like we're like, well, I'm better than them because of A, B, and C. Well, well I'm, I'm different than them and, and my differences are better. And we draw these comparisons or we envy people and we're like, or we're jealous of people and we look at them and we're like, I wish I was like them. And so we begin to draw lines and we separate ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Or we do it out of pride and ego. We want to be the best. And so we draw lines around ourselves to make us feel like we are the best, to make us feel like we are the center of the world, like we are the center of attention and that we matter and they don't. Here's where lines come from. The lines between us are caused by the sin in us. There's nothing else that causes lines besides sin. And it's not just my sin. It's not just your sin. It's the sin of the entire world. It's 8 billion people having sin in us and pride and jealousy and envy. And we just start drawing lines. And some of us draw so many lines that we're the only person in our box. There's no one else like me. There's no one else as good as me or there's no one else as bad as me or whatever it is. Like we draw lines and we separate ourselves from every other person. A lot of people think like the KKK, like that they're only against black people. No, they're against everybody. They're against Jews. They're against Muslims. They're against Hispanic. They're against immigrants. They're against black. They're against everybody except themselves. Why? Because they've drawn lines around themselves to make them feel like they are supreme, like they are the best. And it comes only from the sin that is in us. And here's the sad thing, that churches where it should be better have sometimes missed the boat on this, and we're even worse. And there have been churches in our history, in our nation's history, there were churches that would stand up and point to the Bible and say, slavery's okay. There were churches in Germany during World War II who would say, it's okay to kill Jews because they killed Jesus. And they would separate themselves and then point to the Bible and say, see? And they just make up stories. Why? Because they had sin in them. And they divided themselves from other people. They drew a line. They separated themselves. Sometimes churches are the most judgmental. Churches are the most segmented. Churches are the most divided places in the world. But it shouldn't be that way, should it? See, as Jesus followers, we are called to cross the line. We're not necessarily called to ignore the line. We're not called to to have no lines. God's created us each differently and uniquely, and there are differences between us. But, But God calls us to cross those lines. Jesus always called us to cross the line. In John 3, 16, the most famous book verse in the Bible, everybody knows it, even if you've never been to church in your life, you've seen it. It says, for God so loved the, for God so loved the, the world. The world includes all people. That word includes all people groups, all types of people. It's not just, it doesn't say for God so loved black people. For God so loved straight people. For God so loved Democrats, for God so love Republicans, for God so love white, for God so love uh, uh, like whatever group of people. It doesn't say that. It says for God so love the world. 
See, see, people have just gotten this mixed up and they think their people group is the best. But no, God so loved the world. The creator so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever, whosoever means whoever. It means everyone. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See, Jesus came for all and he loves all. And the best picture of this is in John chapter four. John chapter four, if you have a Bible, you can turn over to it. The best picture of of Jesus just crossing over lines and coming for all is in John chapter four. And I wanna look at that tonight and, and just see what it has to say to us. Here's what it says. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. And even in this verse, they're drawing lines. Oh, well, well, John the Baptist has these many followers and Jesus has this many followers and people are drawing lines. And so Jesus is like, forget this, I'm going somewhere else. And so it says he, go, he, went, he left Judea and he went once more to Galilee. Now, in between Judea and Galilee was a place called Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. So Samaria was a special place for the Jews, and it was special in a bad way. See, here's what had happened. The Assyrians, this was this like enemy of God, these terrible people had come in and conquered Israel. And they had carried off the Jewish people into their own nation, but some Jewish people stayed behind. And the Assyrians married them and had children with them. Now, the Jewish people were told not to marry these people, not to have children with these people. And so over the generations, they became like a mixed race. And, and when the Jewish people came back, they looked at these people and they were like, oh, they are traitors. That they're Jewish people who they married and had kids with and families with the enemy. Like, this is, this is crazy. And so they hated them. And, and the, the Samaritans didn't like the Jewish people because they were like, y'all are a bunch of racists. And, and you, you exclude us in everything. And so these people did not like each other. So many times when people traveled from Judea to Galilee, they would go around Samaria. They would go the long way. Even if it cost them time and resources, they would still go around. And yet, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Keep that in mind. It says he had to go. And there's a reason why he had to go. See, the Spirit was calling him to something in Samaria that would, that would leave a legacy for his followers. It says, he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, like a well where you draw water from. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Keep that in mind. It was 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And then a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now, this lady is a different race. She's an enemy of Jesus' people. And she's a woman. Kind of obvious, but she's a woman. He's a man. Now, we don't think much of that, but in that time, a man and a woman would not talk to each other unless they were family in public. You wouldn't just talk to a stranger that was of the opposite gender. It wasn't, it didn't happen. So there's a line racially and there's a line in terms of gender. And she walks up to him and Jesus says, will you give me a drink? It says his disciples had gone to the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. In other words, she's like, why are you talking to me? What do you mean? What do you mean give you a drink? How can you ask me to give you a drink? Not only was he addressing her and having a conversation, which was crossing all kinds of lines, now he's asking her to take her Samaritan cup and put it to his Jewish lips. Like this is like, this would just be like completely out of line. Like this would never happen. They wouldn't even walk through their town, much less take their cups and put it on their lips where the Samaritan's lips had been. Like this was, this was just craziness. She's like, how are you going to ask me for a drink? 
for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And so she's confused. She's like, what are you talking about? She says, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and livestock? And then Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But I have a water that when I give it to people, they will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about a relationship with God, but she doesn't know that. And she said, sir, give me this water so I'm never gonna be thirsty again and I won't have to keep coming back to this well. Like I'll get rid of one of my daily chores. Like I'll be able to just be good forever. And then he kind of changes the subject and it's like, what are you talking about? But we're about to see another line. He says, go call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. And he's like, right. Yeah, you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now is not even your husband. What you have said is quite true. Now, we hear that, and we're like, uh, I mean, who cares? Everybody, it's, it's 2018. Everybody lives together when they're not married. It's no big deal. But in this time, nobody did that. Like, this was, this was crazy. And we learned something about this woman. <clears throat> We learned why she showed up at noon to get water. She showed up at noon because she was an outcast even among her own people. See, all the Samaritan women, they came and got water from the well in the morning and at night. They lived in the desert. They didn't want to go out in the heat of the day. So they'd go out in the morning and the night. But she comes out when no one will be there. Why? Because she's an outcast. Even her own people don't like her. Why? Because she's got a past. And now we see another line between a perfect God, a rabbi, and a sinner, the, 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 the town outcast, the woman that had had all these husbands and was living with some guy who wasn't even her husband. And she's like, man, I can see you're a prophet. Man, you obviously know some stuff about me. And then she changes the subject. She starts bringing up something else. She says, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. She draws another line. She says, we worship here, but you worship there. This next line is religion. She draws a line between their two faiths, between a a, a faith of the Jewish people and then the faith of the Samaritans who had gotten mixed with this other other culture. And they they believed some different things and they worshiped at different places. And Jesus replies, I'm just gonna summarize it. He basically says, listen, like there's a time coming where, where it doesn't matter where you worship. Something's coming that is new. Something's coming that is going to be incredible. And then if we skip forward to 25, the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus drops the bomb. He says, I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. And so just then, the disciples get back. See, they had gone to get lunch for Jesus. They'd taken this journey into town. And they come back, and they're like, you know, they were like whispering to each other, like, he's talking to a woman. He's talking to a Samaritan. What's he doing? But they didn't say anything because, you know, they weren't going to get called out by Jesus. So they're just like, let's just whisper about Jesus over here like he doesn't know what we're saying. And then the woman, she probably felt a little bit awkward because she knows they're talking about him. So she just leaves. And she goes into town and she's going to tell everybody, guys, I just met the guy. He might be the Messiah. He's a prophet. This is crazy. you got to come with me. And then the disciples are like, well... We got food for you, Jesus. And he's like, I'm not really hungry. And they're like, man, we just went, we went all the way into town. We spent our money and we got you food. Eat. And he's like, I'm not hungry. We skip forward to verse 34. He says, my food 
It's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then he, then he says, don't you have a saying that it's four months till harvest? Here's what he meant. He says, don't you have a saying that like, we'll get to the harvest when it's ready? Like later, it's kind of like this procrastination thing. He's like, don't you procrastinate and say, well, the harvest is later, we'll work then. <clears throat> then he says this, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Because at that moment, the woman was coming across the fields with all her Samaritan friends to talk to Jesus and his disciples. They were coming over to have a conversation with him, to learn about the kingdom of God. And he says, they are coming right now. And they are ripe for the harvest. They're ready to hear about God. See, Jesus is saying, man, it's time to cross some lines, guys. And it's not gonna be in four months. And it's not gonna be after I'm gone. It's not gonna be later. It's gonna be right now. And it says the disciples and Jesus stayed with them for two more days. Keep in mind, people wouldn't even walk through Samaria and now they're sleeping over. They're sitting around the same table and eating the same food. And it says many Samaritans came to know Jesus, came to follow Jesus, believe in him because they stayed there, because they crossed the line. See, Jesus crossed all these lines. He talks with her. He drinks with her. They stay with the Samaritans. uh, Andy Stanley has this this, this famous quote that I love, and he says, um, people who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. People who weren't like Jesus liked Jesus. See, this woman loved Jesus. Why? Because he knew what she had done, and he still spoke to her. Because he crossed the line of gender. He crossed the line of race. He crossed the line of religion. He crossed the line of her past versus his perfection. He crossed all these lines. And so, of course, she liked him because he had reached out to her. Because he had crossed the line. See, Jesus came for all. So we are called to go to all. Jesus came for all. So we are called to go to all. Let me say that one more time. Jesus came for all. So we are called to go to all. That call is in Acts 1, chapter, verse 8. And we talked about it at Epworth. It says, Jesus is like Jesus' last command. And he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria. And all of a sudden, those followers probably went back to that day at the well. And they were like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're supposed to even go to the Samaritans and to the ends of the earth. Here's what Jesus was saying. You're going to go to your own neighborhood in Jerusalem. Then you're going to go to your own nation in Judea. But you're even going to go cross the line. And you're going to go to the Samaritans. This, this is, for, for us, we may not have <clears throat> the specific Samaritans, but we have Samaritans in our life. It's anybody that is different than us. It's our enemies. It's the people we hate. Jesus is saying, you're going to go to them too. And then you're going to go to the ends of the earth. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. See, Jesus was saying, I've come for all. And your mission as my followers is to go to all. And in Revelation 7, 9, we kind of see like the closing of this whole deal. John is looking at heaven. He's looking at the end times. He gets this vision. And it says this. He's looking at what's going on in heaven. It says, after this, I looked. And there were before me a great multitude that no one could count. This is every follower of Jesus in the entire history of the world. And look at this detail he gives us. They were from every nation. They were from every nation tribe or culture. 
They were from every people group. They had every language, and they were all standing around the throne and before the lamb, and they were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hand. Here's what John was saying about the end, and here's why this matters to us. In the end, there will be no lines. In the end, there will be diversity. In the end, all people who called upon the name of Jesus will be together in one place. See, this is why Jesus said it's so important for us to cross lines. This is why Jesus said we can't just stay on our side of the tracks. We can't just stay in our part of town. And this has everything to do with where the Holy Spirit's leading this ministry. And the Holy Spirit has everything to do with crossing the line. See, the Holy Spirit will very often call you to people that are very different than you. The Holy Spirit will very often call you to people that you don't like, to call you to people that you don't know, to call you to people that you are uncomfortable with. And that makes us uncomfortable. And we're like, yeah, I'm cool going to my friends and my family, but uh, it's hard enough to go to them. How can I go to other people? Here's, Here's a way that you can say it. The Holy Spirit will always call you to cross the line. The Holy Spirit will always call you to step over the line. It may be racial, it may be gender, it may be beliefs, it may be religion, it may be, um, <clears throat> one time I was talking to this girl who was a Muslim at Fletcher, and she was like, well, well I, I can't come to United, I'm a Muslim. And I was like, so? Like, who cares? Just because you believe one thing right now doesn't mean you can't come to United. See, but we divide ourselves. We, well, they must not want to come because they're another religion. No, no, God's called us to people of other faiths too. He's called us to all people. He's called us to cross the line and the Holy Spirit will always call you to cross the line. It may be to cross the line of discomfort, to cross the line of, I don't know that person and so they're in a different group than me. And he's saying, well, go get to know them. Well, yeah, but my friend group doesn't hang out with them. Like they don't get invited to the parties I get invited. In fact, they don't get invited to any parties. Like I'm not going to speak to them. And the Holy Spirit's saying, yeah, That's who I want you to go to. Well, yeah, Holy Spirit, you don't understand my high school. You don't understand the way things are. Like, I don't go to those people. And he's like, who are you calling those people? Those are my people. Because I created them just like I created you. Why are you drawing these lines where I haven't drawn any lines? He's calling calling us cross that line. Here's how I know the Holy Spirit is calling us to, to, to all people. And to cross the line. Because it happens over and over and over again in the New Testament. The first day that the Holy Spirit comes down upon the people at Pentecost. It says that people from every nation and tribe were in Jerusalem for a celebration, for a feast. And because they were there, well, they heard what was going on. And it says the disciples began to speak in every language. And all those people heard about the wonders of God in their own native language. See, the Holy Spirit immediately led to diversity and to crossing the line. Philip gets called to to go talk to a man from Africa, an Ethiopian, a diplomat. And he has nothing in common with this man, but he's called out into the desert and he meets him and he shares his faith with him. And the man comes to know Jesus and is baptized and returns to his own nation, sharing the love of Jesus with a different people. Because the Holy Spirit led to diversity and led to cross the line. Peter is one day just daydreaming and he has this dream and God essentially calls him to go speak and share the love of Jesus with 
a Roman soldier. You know, the Roman soldiers were the ones that killed Jesus. The Roman soldiers were the ones going around arresting Christians. The Roman soldiers got paid for a living to kill people. And Peter's like, "Uh, no thanks. But then he goes. And he shares his faith with his entire Roman family. And they come to know him. They come to know him. The disciples, they're called all over the place, but they're especially called to the sick and the outcast, the people that could not even live in the city. You want to talk about a line. They were people that were so sick and that were so outcast from society that they could not even live in the walls of the city. They would live in these little villages outside by themselves with no protection, no help, no family. And the Holy Spirit called the disciples to go to those people. The band can go ahead and come back up. And then Paul. Paul gets called to people of all nations. He gets called to the Greeks who had different culture, different religion, did different everything. And he goes to them. Then he goes to the Romans who had different culture, different religion, who were persecuting the Christians. And he goes to them as well. Then he goes to Asia. And, and, and some of the leaders or, or disciples went to Africa and they went to Europe. And eventually what would happen is these followers of Jesus would start crossing oceans, going to share the love of Jesus all over the world. Why does this matter? Because the only reason why we're in a church right now It's because somebody crossed the line. Specifically, they crossed an ocean. And they came here and they shared Jesus. And now we live in a nation that we can do essentially whatever we want to when it comes to faith. Why? Because someone crossed a line. And listen, there's a ton of students. Because sometimes, <clears throat> sometimes I'm in here and I'm like, oh yeah, we got, a, we got a lot of students here. And then I go to like Fletcher Middle or Fletcher High and I'm like, I know like 10% of the kids. And sure, some of them are saved and they go to other churches and they're leaders and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of them don't know Jesus. And furthermore, a lot of them don't look like the people in this room. Why? Because sometimes, sometimes we just draw lines. And we get so comfortable sharing faith with the people like us. And it's not that we hate other people, but we just forget about other people. And if we're not going to cross some lines, we're never going to get as a ministry to where God wants us to go. We're never going to reach some of the students in our schools that God is calling us to reach if we just stick with people that look like us. If you just stick with your own race, if you just stick with the people that dress like you, if you just stick with the, the straight or the gay kids, if you, if you just stick with the rich or the poor kids, if you just stick with the kids you grew up with, if you just stick to the new kids, guess what? There's a whole bunch of other kids that are never going to be reached. And Jesus is calling you right now across the line. So I got two questions for you, and then we'll, we'll close in worship. Here's the first one. What are the lines that the Holy Spirit is calling you to cross? And maybe you hear that, and you're like, like, well, I'm not racist. Well, yeah, everybody says that. But, for, but, 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 but listen, like there are still some lines that, that, that we are not crossing. And maybe it's simply the line of like, well, they're a new student and I'm good. I got my friends. I'm okay. Like I, I, I built some things up over the years and, and I'm good socially. Well, they aren't. And God might be calling you the old student to go to the new student to cross that line. Maybe it's just simply like you don't know them. And you say, well, oh, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to go talk to someone I don't know. I got plenty of friends over here I do know. And he's saying, cross that line. Cross that line. Some of these lines we don't even realize we have, but they're all around us. Oh, well, well I, I got my friends on the football team. I got my friends on the soccer team. I got my friends in the band. And like, I'm good with that. 
And God's like, yeah, but there's a kid right there who needs to know Jesus. What about him? What about her? What about the guy that lives next door? The girl that lives across the street? What about your cousin? But what about your sister's friend or your brother's friend? Like, what about that person? Here's the second question I have for you. Who is the Holy Spirit putting on your mind that you need to reach out to? And probably you don't even have a name because you don't know their name because you never talked to them. And this isn't a time for you to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so crappy. I never talked to them. It's just a simple thing. God's calling you to cross that line. It's a guy in first period. It's a girl in gym class. Someone you see on the the way in, walking into school. Someone you work with. And you may not even know their name, but God's calling you to them. Who is the Holy Spirit putting on your mind that you need to reach out to? Here's my challenge. Take action this week. Take action this week. The Holy Spirit's calling us into some things that we're never going to see and we're never going to experience if we are not willing to cross the line. And not just as individuals, but as a group. And can I tell you, if we're not willing to cross the line, we're going to have some people come here and we're like super nice to them and we welcome them in, but they come in and they don't see anybody that looks like them and they're like, I don't, I don't know about going back there. You ever walked into a place where you're the only person of your race? Or, or you ever walked into a place and you didn't know a person? You ever walked into a place and, and you realized, oh, I was supposed to dress up and I'm wearing jeans. Yikes, I, I feel out of place. Or you ever walked into a place and you're like, I think I'm supposed to wear like a, like a, like a, tuxedo to this wedding or something. You walk in, everybody's wearing like shorts and a t-shirt and you're like, oh, like, oh, this feels so awkward. Imagine walking into a place and you don't see anybody that looks like you. And we don't get there overnight, but we get there as we consistently cross some lines in our lives. As we consistently cross some lines in our day-to-day lives, in our classrooms, in our workplaces, in the places that we go. So I want to pray for you, and then I just want you to respond as you feel called. I want the, you, you to do whatever the Holy Spirit calls you to do. <clears throat> and then, uh, then we'll, we'll close in worship. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person in this room. I pray for myself. I pray for us as a group. I pray that, that we would not just stick in our box, but that we'd be willing to cross some lines, that we'd be willing to, 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 to say no to what the world thinks and do what you've asked us to do. And it's uncomfortable. And it's hard. And sometimes we don't know what to say. And we don't know how to act. But you said you, you tell us what to do if we just listen. Holy Spirit, lead us to cross the line. As students and adults, lead us to cross the line from what we want to do to what you want us to do. Help us just like knock down some of those walls between us and other people that are based on whatever it is. Help us be different than the rest of the world. Help us be different than the news. Help us be different than Twitter and Instagram. Help us be different than our great-grandparents and our grandparents. Help us do what you want us to do. Help us go a direction you want us to go. And Lord, we will see amazing things happen. And we will see Revelation 7-9 come to life where people from every language and every tongue, every tribe, every people group, and every nation are together worshiping the Lord here in this room and around Jacksonville. And we ask all this in your holy name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship.